Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Episode number 202. We're going to look at week number four in the NFL. Uh, first, I'll just say sorry for missing a week last week, but as I do every year, the last week of September is my anniversary trip. My wife and I did a pretty fun tradition where one person plans a trip and keeps it a secret from the other one the entire time. This was my year to plan, and so we spent the last week in Zion National Park in Utah. Beautiful place. Highly recommend it. Hope that you guys would go back or go visit yourself. Uh, One of the most beautiful places. I think I'd actually call it the most beautiful place that I've ever been in the United States, for sure. Super fun week uh, to be away, but glad to be back and talking about week number four in the NFL did follow all the games, uh, and there's some of my dynasty thoughts, as well as talking a little bit about the waiver wire and talking about some trades. We're finally a little bit into the season now, so that the trades are starting to happen in my league. So give you a little chance to look at player value uh, as done by trades and actual leagues that I'm a part of. So we'll do all that, but let's talk first about some just week four observations. First is, I'll call it just the Nittany, Nittany Lions. Uh, it was a Penn State kind of week for Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. Uh, racking up fantasy points. Both players have had really bounce-back seasons already, and they're rewarding dynasty managers who demonstrated patience uh, with each of them over the last couple years. Uh, Sanders, if you've been following me long, you know he's one of my most rostered players because I was much higher on him than any other dynasty managers and uh, other you know analysts, for sure. Uh, I have him on four of my nine dynasty rosters. Uh, I drafted him in three of those leagues and traded uh, even in one league. I actually traded for him. Terry uh, McLaurin for him two years ago in one league. So after a dreadful season last year without scoring a single touchdown, unbelievable for, for Sanders. Uh, Sanders has bounced back and has already scored three times this season, including twice on Sunday. Uh, his day was certainly held by Boston Scott uh, when, when he was declared inactive. But even so, he's been getting more than 50% of the snaps to start the season. In this last week, uh, that's on Sunday, he had 67% of the snaps. Uh, the Eagles' offense is off to a hot start, and Sanders definitely benefits from it. Uh, he's limited the workload, and the fact that you know Jalen Hurts runs for a lot of touchdowns really do limit his ceiling uh, and really limit his dynasty value. But he's back in the reliable RB2 zone for me and can really be counted on a start in dynasty lineups. I'm glad that I've been patient with Sanders. It's finally paying off after much waiting. As for Barkley... Um, I bet heavily on his bounce-back season by trading for him in two leagues this offseason. I traded A.J. Brown to acquire him in one league where I was you know, stacked at wide receiver, and then I also traded in a big kind of multi- multi-player trade. I traded DeAndre Hopkins, Damian Harris, and a 2022 first-round pick for Barkley, Claypool, and a 2022 second-round pick. So uh, traded swap picks first and second. I gave up uh, Hopkins and Damian Harris to get Barkley and Claypool. Uh, definitely paid a hefty price to acquire him in those leagues, but so far I'm really pleased with those trades. As I expected, Coach Dayball would make Mark Barkley the you know, center of his attack because he's by far, especially with all their terrible receivers, he's by far their best player on offense. I'm thrilled that he's averaging 25 touches per game, and I'm not afraid that he's going to get injured uh, like a lot of managers are. 
Uh, he scored 17 fantasy points this week without even having a touchdown. And he's uh, almost averaged 20 points per week. He's carrying my teams to victories and helped me uh, become the highest scoring and the second highest scoring in those two leagues where I have him. The highest scoring team and the second highest scoring team in the two leagues where I, ha I have him. What a uh, day and what a future for these Nittany Lions. Uh, patience has paid off for those who are patient with those two running backs in particular. Second observation, I'll call it a new season in Steeltown. Oh, man, here it is. It's happening. Kenny Pickett finally got to play on Sunday, and the new era has begun in Steeltown. Uh, he gave the team a much-needed spark on Sunday and ran for two touchdowns, even though he couldn't lead the team back to a win on the field. He did throw three interceptions, uh, but if you're just looking at the box score there, that's not really helpful because one was on a Hail Mary, and the other two actually hit the hands of the receivers. One a clear drop, one you know pretty contested catch, but Claypool should have come down with it. Uh, so take away those three interceptions. If you take those away, he was actually 10 for 10 passing with 120 yards. Once I think he gets a full week to prepare as a starter, I'm sure that he's going to be better. Uh, he also helped George Pickens have the best game of his young career. Pickens finally hit the 100-yard mark, 102 receiving yards. It's it's just time for a new era in Pittsburgh. I'm really eager to see what Pickett can do and how he's going to impact the offense, which uh, thus far has been very unproductive uh, from a fantasy standpoint, particularly thinking about Najee Harris. He's been a huge disappointment this season, and it's hard to tell right now if this is solely based on uh, the poor quarterback play and poor offensive line play. Uh, that could be the factor, or it could just be that this is actually Najee's problem. Uh, Pickett can't fix the offensive line, obviously, but he's going to be at least 50% of the equation to figure out whether it's poor quarterback play or the offensive line or if this really is a Najee problem. And so we're going to find out in the coming weeks. I'm really excited to see what Pickett can, Pickett can do, and I'm hopeful that it's actually going to improve uh, Najee Harris and make him more a viable part of this offense. Offensive line uh, is, the, is the only issue that's unknown. Excited to see Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. Next uh, observation, I would say rookie running back breakout. Um, it was fun uh, seeing some second tier, I'll call them maybe second tier running backs uh, breakout a little bit this week. Uh, Damian Pierce scored 17 and 20 fantasy points over the last two weeks and uh, broke the 100 yard, 100 yard mark for the first time in his career, mainly due to a 75 yard touchdown run where he literally didn't even get touched. Uh, he's averaging, though, think about this, he's averaging 18 touches per game in the Houston backfield. He's got it all locked up for himself right now. Uh, Pierce definitely was one of the fastest risers in rookie drafts this summer. Uh, he was rightly drafted in the first round by the end of the summer. I told you all that I have a Labor Day uh, treat with my freak league, and he was drafted in the first round. This first first round, first time that I saw him drafted in the first round, um, and that's rightly doable. He's a starter getting 18 touches per game. Uh, he's really a reliable starter for you know, even after just four weeks in the NFL. Then there's also uh, Tyler Algier. Uh, he's not startable yet like Pierce is, but he's getting more involved in the Atlanta offense, and he's going to get even more opportunities in the coming weeks while Cordero Patterson is uh, out on IR. Uh, Algier had his highest snap count of the season with 44% on Sunday, and he made the most of those touches, 11 touches in that game. Uh, he broke the 100-yard mark himself with 84 yards rushing and 20 through the air, total of 104 yards. The only league that I have Algier is actually a 14-team league where we start 11 players without kickers or defenses, so a very, very deep league. In a league like that, Algier is a very startable player. He's going to be my lineup for the next four weeks at least while Cordero Patterson's out. Uh, hopefully, 
he's going to take advantage of this opportunity these next four weeks to win a starting role while Patterson is on IR. Kind of fun from a dynasty perspective to see some of these kind of second-tier running backs really start to, to step up and get the opportunities they need. Next observation, I'll call it uh, not sleepless in Seattle. Uh, Geno Smith and Richard Penny have revived their careers and their dynasty value. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Smith threw for more than 300 yards for the second week in a row. And what's really great for a dynasty perspective is he's proven that he can actually keep Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf's van, uh, dynasty value afloat. He's completing an amazing 77% of his passes, and he's really keeping the offense on track and productive. Uh, Smith's success uh, may be the result of playing poor defenses the last two weeks. I don't want to negate that part of it. He played Atlanta and Detroit. Uh, compared to the two strong defenses he had in weeks one and two with Denver and San Francisco. So I'm not saying that his dynasty value is fully recovered yet. Still, he's done enough to be on the radar, and we want to see what he does against tougher defenses. He's going to have some the next couple weeks. He will find out next week when he plays uh, New Orleans at New Orleans. As for Penny, uh, he's averaging seven yards per carry this season. And uh, after his two breakaway runs that he had this this week, particularly 36 and 41-yard touchdown runs, uh, for the time being, he's actually holding off Ken Walker, too. Uh, Sunday, he had 69% of the snaps compared to Walker's 36%. And surprisingly, Coach Carroll, of all people, is letting Geno cook. Not not letting Russ cook, but now he's letting Geno cook. Uh, Seattle has the 14th highest passing percentage in the NFL. So the boring, slow offense that we expected without Russell Wilson has been anything but that. Uh, Seattle's not sleeping. This offense is actually wide awake. And Geno Smith... And Rashad Penny, of all people, they're the ones who are reviving this offense. It's been pretty fun uh, to watch and great to see some dynasty value come back to these two players. Next uh, thing I'll mention, I'll call it bringing everyone down. Bringing everyone down. On this Texas OU week, uh, that's Texas and Oklahoma, if you don't <laughs> aren't familiar with those terms, this Texas OU week, I'd like to take a moment to hate on Baker Mayfield. Uh, one of the easiest players to hate. I think many people feel that way. You don't have to be a Texas fan to hate Baker Mayfield. Everyone just assumed that he would resurrect Carolina's offense and become DJ Moore's, quote, best ever quarterback that he's ever played for, that played with. Uh, thus far, though, the experiment has completely failed. Mayfield is lucky that Sam Darnold's injury continues to linger, or there really may be calls for the Panthers to give him a second chance instead of, of Mayfield. I'm confident Coach Rule is the coach that I think is going to be the first to be fired this year, possibly after the next three games, because the next three games they have the 49ers, the Rams, and the Bucks. I can't imagine that Baker Mayfield is going to lead the team to a win against any of those teams, even when playing from behind. You think that he could you know, rack up some garbage points, but he just can't do it. They tried like crazy the last two weeks to get DJ Moore going, but they couldn't do it. Moore had 17 targets over the last two weeks but only netted 52 yards on 17 targets. As talented as Moore is, he just cannot be trusted in dynasty lineups right now. I traded away my only Moore share this summer, uh, because, and I couldn't be happier that I have him off my team. Uh, there's always one manager who believes in his talent and keeps holding out hope for DJ Moore, but it's just not happening. I traded Moore in that league. I traded him for Daryl Henderson. Uh, I traded Moore and Daryl Henderson for Tyree Kill and Daryl Williams, and I couldn't be happier to have Hill just take the two best players there, Hill for more, even if I had to add Henderson to the deal. Uh, even with the age difference between Hill and Moore, I'm very happy with that. Uh, just can't trust Mayfield. He's been very overrated since the start of his career, and his cockiness uh, makes it even more irritating because he's just overrated. 
can't stand Baker Mayfield and can't stand what he's doing to the Carolina offense, particularly for DJ Moore's sake. A couple other observations. I'll call it surprise player and surprise offense. Uh, Jamal Williams went from being a touchdown vulture <laughs> to a weak winner on this Sunday. And of all players, he's the third highest scoring fantasy running back in the league after four weeks. Third highest. Uh, he's played well enough to be a trade target in Dynasty Leagues and cause Dynasty value of DeAndre Swift actually to start to fall just because of how active Williams has been. Uh, Williams known for being a great teammate and a great leader. He got the uh, hard knocks bump, if you want to call it this year, as uh, the Ter Detroit Lions are featured on hard knocks, and it showed kind of his leadership on the team. Well, that hard knocks bump is well-deserved. I regret not trying to trade for him this summer. I wish that I would have tried to trade for him in a couple of leagues, and now it's just too late. You can't get a steal on him anymore. Uh, the Lions offense has been one of the biggest surprises this season, too. Uh, Jared Goff has become a startable, and he's elevated the production of Monroe St. Brown and TJ Hawkins, Hawkinson, who TJ had the best yeah, day of his career on Sunday. Crazy 170-plus yards receiving. Plus the offense, um, I mean, plus the defense is playing terribly, and so they're always in this comeback mode, which is going to rack up the fantasy points for the Lions. Uh, this week was pretty fun, in particular with St. Brown being out, DJ Chark being out, DeAndre Swift being out. Uh, all of those injuries just led to Jamal uh, Williams being a no-doubt starter in Dynasty lineups. And also, Josh Reynolds, who I started in three leagues this week. I started him in three leagues, just believing that he was going to get all the targets, and he sure did, and produced, uh, Wells, uh, produced as well. Imagine what this offense is going to look like once everyone's healthy and Jameson Williams plays for the first time in his rookie year. Uh, this is a very surprised player and a very surprised offense, Jamal Williams and the Detroit Lions. Uh, they've been fun to watch. Next observation, I'll call it surprise workhorse. After all the talk and speculation that the Raiders would mix in Zamir White on their running downs and that Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah would be their passing downs backs, um, bringing down the opportunities and bringing down the dynasty value of Josh Jacobs, well, the Raiders have instead made Josh Jacobs a workhorse. He's averaging 17.5 carries per game and three catches per game. And on Sunday, he broke out for 32 fantasy points after scoring two touchdowns and totaling 150 yards. I've never been the biggest fan of, of Jacobs, um, but any back that's getting this kind of workload needs to move up in my dynasty rankings, and I will respond accordingly. The Raiders' offense is improving. And the team finally earned its first win of the season after kind of being in one-score games the, all the previous three games that they lost. And the game plan, it ran directly through Jacobs. Maybe it's just not as simple as saying that Josh McDaniels, McDaniels who you know had really specific roles for his running backs in New England, uh, is going to do the exact same thing in Vegas when he becomes head coach. Um, I believe that would be the case, but after four weeks of evidence, I have to change my mind. As long as Jacobs stays healthy, he is their workhorse in Zamir White. He can just remain on dynasty benches or on taxi squads until something changes. I'm very surprised, but admitting that I'm wrong, that Jacobs is the workhorse and there's not going to be a committee in Las Vegas. Hard not to call them Oakland, Las Vegas. I did it right this time. So those are some of my observations uh, from this last week, among many others, I'm sure, but wanted to talk about those. Let's talk now a little bit about some waiver wire moves. Um, as a reminder, I do play in 300 to 360 player rostered leagues and so if those are real dynasty leagues there's definitely better players than these if you're in shallower leagues but i play in leagues with 300 to 360 players rostered and there's really just two players that i'm looking for this week and the first would be mike boone 
Boone's going to be a very significant part of the offense. And sadly, Javante Williams tore his ACL on Sunday. Uh, Boone already took his snaps away from Gordon on Sunday after Gordon fumbled. Even while Williams was still in the game and still healthy, uh, Boone was in there ahead of Gordon for a series at least. And now that he's going to miss the rest of the season, Javante Williams, that is, Boone and Gordon are going to split the workload for sure. Boone is by far the top target on the waiver wire this week, and he should cost the most amount of fab that anyone spent this season, in my opinion. Mike Boone is the most expensive player that we've had hit the waiver wire uh, so far this season in dynasty perspective. So it's going to be fun to see. I'm going to make some pretty aggressive bids to try to get Boone on my team. Only other player that I consider this week is Jigozium Okwanku. <laughs> I don't know if I'm pronouncing his rate. Uh, Chig, as he's called, easiest just to call him Chig. Uh, he caught his first touchdown pass of his career for the Titans, the tight end uh, for the Titans. He caught that on Sunday, and he uh, should get more involved in the offense since Austin Hooper and Jeff Swain uh, just have really been unproductive. You know, the vets ahead of him, uh, you know, are ahead of this rookie. They, you know, still need to be relied upon just based on their experience and their run blocking. But Chig is far more athletic, and he's a far better weapon in the passing game. And so... While it's hard to rely on rookie tight ends, you know, who thus far have yet to top 30% of the snaps in a game, that's the case for Chig. Uh, he's a player to keep on your radar. Add him to your scout, your scouting, you know, scout team or whatever you have, you know, your practice squad or scout team. Keep him on your radar. Um, in tight end premium leagues, I would definitely try to add him. I've already actually got him in a couple of my leagues on my taxi squad for dynasty uh, for uh, tight end premium leagues. Uh, he's a player to really consider this week. I think he's going to get more and more involved in the offense. So only two players this week that I'm really interested in, Mike Boone and, and Chig. There you go. Hey, it's finally uh, happening. Week four, now some trades are starting to come fast and furious in leagues. Now that things are starting to get settled, uh, here's some trades that actually took place in my leagues this week. I'd mention these trades just to kind of give you a, a context for what trades look like in my leagues and gives you a chance to just think about a few of the players and how they're being valued uh, by other dynasty freaks. So here's some thoughts on, I think I had five trades that went down in my leagues this week. Uh, first two include my team. <laughs> so Khalil Herbert was traded for a 2023 second round pick. Uh, Khalil Herbert for a 2023 second round pick. I reluctantly accepted this trade to acquire Herbert uh, on a team where I'm a kind of a borderline contender right now. I've made the playoffs each of the last two years, but I've not been able to get to the Super Bowl. And I've already traded away my first and third round picks. So now I traded away my second. So all I'm left with is a fourth round pick. Um, if I was not already, I'm officially in win now mode in this league. Uh, I just believe that Herbert is uh, just as good or better than David Montgomery, even though I like Montgomery way more than most managers or analysts. I really love Montgomery. I just think that they're about equal. And Montgomery's in the last year of his contract. When I first got this trade offer, one of the first things I did was look up the contracts and see that Montgomery's in the last year of his contract, whereas Herbert has two more years. And so I was thinking the Bears you know, might not re-sign Montgomery, and they're going to give Herbert the lead role next year. And so for a dynasty perspective, I was thinking about that second-round pick in 2023 and thought, you know, I'm not going to get a starting running back in the second round of a 2023 draft, particularly since I'm one of the you know top teams. It's going to be a late 2023 uh, second-round pick. I just decided I'd take this offer that Herbert is the one that I want to trust in. Uh, the team that offered Herbert is rebuilding, and so he was definitely just eager to uh, accumulate 2023 picks. So I see what he was doing with what he did. But in my opinion here, being a contender, was glad to get Herbert on my team. 
the one this week and trying to see if I can uh, make one more push. But I also like this from a real dynasty perspective because I do think Herbert is the starting running back for Chicago next year, even if he splits carries this year. And maybe with Montgomery out, he starts to prove it and become the starter um, by the end of this year as well. Next trade uh, was Kyler Murray uh, was traded in a package deal <laughs> for, uh, it was Mac Jones, uh, Dawson Knox, and a 2023 third round pick. Crazy, M- massive trade. Kyler Murray for Mac Jones, Dawson Knox, and a 2023 third round pick. There's one uh, manager in this league who, when he puts a player on the trading block, he means business. And so he put Murray on the trading block this last week, and he uh, struck this deal with me. Again, this was one that was offered to me. Josh Allen is my starting quarterback in this league. It's a one-quarterback league. Uh, so Murray you know, is not likely to see my lineup too often because Josh Allen's going to be starting ahead of him. But I, he's going to be a great backup and a very tradable asset. Um, I'm competitive in this league. My team is getting old, though. I'm definitely not one of the top teams in the league. So what I'm hoping to do with Murray is that I can actually trade him sometime this year or, you know, in the next year or two uh, so that I can pick up some extra picks or get some younger players at some point this season. Knox was my starting tight end in this league, but I was willing to give him away given that he's, you know, kind of one of those middle-of-the-pack tight ends, kind of in the middle-tier rankings. I'm going to miss the Allen Knox stack that I had in this league, but it's not been too effective this year compared to last year for sure. Uh, Knox just hasn't done it this year. As for uh, Mac Jones, I really don't see him becoming anything more than a streamable quarterback in a one-quarterback league like this one. So the New England offense and their scheme is really just going to keep his value down unless something radically changes in the coming years and they get some more weapons for him. Uh, Murray doesn't help me immediately, but I really hope that this was a trade that I made for the future of my team as a player that I can deal at some point. Again, I, I made the trade for Kyler Murray and I gave up Mac Jones, Dawson Knox and a 2023 third round pick. Murray's definitely the best player in this this whole deal and so was happy to get him. Again, those are two trades that were offered to me that I made uh, this last week. A couple more trades that happened in my leagues though, not relating to my team. Uh, Amari Cooper was traded for a 2023 first round pick. Uh, the team that acquired Cooper in this trade is by far one of the best teams in the league. Uh, his only weakness though is that wide receiver. So he was willing to give up a first round pick for Cooper as he tries to stay competitive and make a run in, in the playoffs here. I think the price is right about in this trade. Uh, the team that traded away Cooper, he's aggressively rebuilding and now has three first-round picks, two second-round picks in 2023, plus he has two first-round picks and two second-round picks in 2024. So he's rebuilding the right way, and he's going to have a blast you know, adding these rookies to his teams over the next two years. But Amari Cooper didn't produce this week. I think he's going to be one of those up-and-down players like he has been throughout his career. Uh, but this team trying to make a run was willing to give up a first-round pick in hopes that Cooper could be the wide receiver that they could start on a weekly basis and help their team uh, make another Super Bowl run. This is a big trade. Next trade was Tyler Higbee and Jamal Williams in a 2024 second and third-round picks were traded for a 2024 first-round pick. Man, huge package deal there. For a 2024 first-round pick, one team gave up Higbee, Williams and their 2024 second and third round picks. This is the same rebuilding team that I mentioned uh, just beforehand. Uh, they got another trade to get another first round pick. So now they have two 2024 first round picks in addition to their three 2023 first round picks. Uh, great job rebuilding. But the team uh, with this package deal 
is a contender. And they just picked up two new starters for their lineup in Higby and Williams. Higby is the second most targeted Ram behind Cup this season. Very startable, uh, even in the flex position in this 12-team league with starts nine players with a lot of flexes, no kicker, no defense. So Higby could be started not just as a tight end, but even as a flex position with the amount of targets that he's getting. And as I already talked about, Jamal Williams is the third highest scoring running back this season. He's a reliable starter, even when DeAndre Swift is back in the starting lineup, uh, let alone these next few weeks when he's not. Uh, it's hard to give up a first-round pick, but while it's a little easier to give one that's two years out and giving up a first-round pick in 2024, um, it's easier to give that up, particularly in this type of a league. This is a league that's very, very active in trades, and so giving up a future pick in 2024, uh, even if it's a first-rounder for these players to make a team contending for this year, I think it's a good deal. Um, I'm kind of favoring the Williams and Higby side of this trade because you're getting those two picks back in the, in the 2024 draft, even though they're second, third round picks. It's going to be fun to see what happens. I like the package side of this deal, uh, but also appreciate the efforts of the rebuilding team who is just stacking up picks for the future. One last trade to mention that happened in my leagues, Garrett Wilson. Uh, he was traded for Michael Thomas and Cortland Sutton. So two for one here, Garrett Wilson for Michael Thomas and Cortland Sutton. Uh, this trade is between two teams that both have one and two records, but they actually have pretty competitive rosters. Uh, one manager, obviously just like Wilson, enough to give up two second-tier wide receivers. It's close, I think, on this trade, but I think I like the package part of this deal, assuming that Thomas has an injury, injury-free injury seasons in his future, uh, which may be a bad assumption. I'm guessing that the team that traded Michael Thomas was just tired of his injuries. They're piling up again this year. And he just assumes that he's going to continue to battle injuries and was willing to get rid of him. Um, if he does continue to battle injuries, Wilson, side of this trade, is going to be the clear winner. As for Wilson, though, I really want to see, I want to wait just a little bit to see if Zach Wilson develops his you know, chemistry with which receiver, which, which is it going to be, which Jets receiver is really going to have the most chemistry with Zach Wilson now that he's starting again. Is it going to be Jared Wilson? Is it going to be Elijah Moore? Or is it going to be like this last week where, again, it was Corey Davis? And that's the way it's been so far. Corey Davis has been Wilson's, uh, I mean, has been um, Zach Wilson's number one target thus far. Uh, don't have enough evidence to say. I wish that I could have waited a little bit longer to decide what I think about this trade, given uh, Zach Wilson's experience and see what he does. Uh, but this is what happens in Dynasty Leagues. you got to make a stand. you got to say there's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of uh, get-to-be-seen in this trade, uh, but that's what company dynast, confident dynasty managers do. They're happy to live with what they think is going to happen and put their put their money where their mouth is. And so here it was, Garrett Wilson traded for two uh, two receivers, Michael Thomas and Cortland Sutton. That's uh, the value of some of these players in my leagues. Fun to be back. Thanks for giving me a week off uh, on my anniversary trip. And I do have actually a trip to Israel coming up too. So uh, unusual fall for me. <laughs> Not the anniversary trip. That happens every year. But this fall, I'm going to be traveling more than normal. So I'm going to miss a couple weeks coming up. But eager to talk every week that I'm able to watch the games and check in with the Dynasty value and talk to you, my Dynasty freaks, my Dynasty friends. That's a wrap for this week. My freaky friends, thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. That's DynastyFreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Much better on email than I am on Twitter. Uh, you know that. I would love to talk with you about your teams, give any advice. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there, get freaky. 
Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.